Welcome back to the Oklahoma drill. It's a, oh, we got a lot of people. We got a lot to talk about. It's uh, all four of us here. Nathan, Sam, Alex, and Ryan. Uh, we're going to finish out the defense today because uh, the season is approaching fast. Um, and you know what? Let's just get right into it. Alex, where are we starting? So we're going to start with middle linebacker. Um or, no, I guess we're going to start about Tanner Mordecai, as I literally talked about <laughs> right, one, right. one minute news. ago. Some news. Yeah. So, it, it, that just shows how much space he occupies in your brain. Right. Just ready to get past him. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so, tonight, Lincoln Riley announced his backup quarterback, obviously. I guess we haven't had a pod since Jalen Hurts got announced, and that could be something to mention. Because yeah, so Jalen Hurts is starting, to the surprise of, like, no one. What? Right, and so you know, big big deal. I but mean, it, it would have been super close. Yeah, yeah it was the closest <laughs> battle we've ever had. Um, but it and it's also like, I mean, I don't even think that's surprising because there's just no way you could convince me that last year's was close, and there's right. no way you could convince me that Baker Mayfield was in a close battle with Trevor Knight. Like, so right. I mean, it's not really breaking news, but. That's it's a quote that Lincoln Riley gave, so we're all going to latch on to it. Um, are you at, the, at this point? Are you guys concerned that maybe um, Lincoln's uh, performance evaluations in these battles are maybe uh, flawed? I no. think that we just have all incredible <laughs> right. quarterbacks. Well, the, uh, we clearly, be well really clearly they're not too West flawed Virginia. because he has yet to come up with the wrong answer. I'm just saying, is like, are we like what like? Uh, like the possibilities are, you know, obviously this is a facade and a farce and a smokescreen. Um, or, I don't know, maybe Lincoln's looking at the wrong things some of the time here. So maybe Tanner Mordecai's just, uh, he's got so much pocket presence. Right. So I've been thinking about this a little bit, and I kind of wonder if, the way that he approaches it, like, I don't necessarily, I mean, I think he's full of shit in terms of like, oh, Austin Kendall was right there with Kyler all, all spring or all summer. But like, I think it's more about the fact that they just split reps for so long. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't even think that it necessarily has anything to do with, you know, one guy being so close to the other. I just think that he, he likes splitting reps among, uh, among guys. So he has depth at the position and in order to get the most out of those reps, he wants every guy that's getting a bulk of reps to think that he has a chance to be a starter. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and so maybe it just it ups the competition level and it ups those players, even though he knows who it's going to be. You know, I'm sure Austin Kendall probably had a better mindset all fall last year because he thought, well, I mean, hey, if I have a a week in there, I'm really great. I could actually get in this thing, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So yeah. I think it might have more to do with it than like just the fact that Lincoln likes to lie to everybody, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and you know, I, I think part of it also is so much of what they do is just the throwing aspect. So that severely limits what made Kyler Murray great. What potentially makes Jalen Hurts great or what, what, I mean, potentially, I mean, he was SEC player of the year one year. I mean, what makes him probably great, um, Baker, so much of what Baker was was his ability to extend plays. And I, I just don't know how much of that you can really simulate in a practice setting, especially whenever quarterbacks aren't you know, allowed to be hit. 
So there's no real threat of them having to do that. So I can see how in a vacuum where if it's just based off of throwing performances, Jalen and Tanner would be relatively similar. But I think what Lincoln knows is that Jalen has the most opportunity to grow within the offense just because he's so such a recent arrival and that he also has the most to give that's not maybe showing up in a fall practice setting just because he can run um, better than anybody else on the roster. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And the way that, you know, I think Kyler, the way he ran, could it's a little easier to showcase in in practice because it's really hard for guys to touch him, you know. And so he was able, he was probably able to extend plays even without, you know, just being able to get tagged. But like Jalen, the way he runs, it's a lot more physical style. So like he's mm-hmm. going to be running through some arm tackles and stuff. And so his style of running is even harder to showcase in practice than Kyler's was, I'm sure. Um, yeah. yeah but, be. yeah, let's go ahead and, and move on. Like, so obviously, you know, Jalen Hurts is quarterback number one. Tanner Mordecai, allegedly quarterback number two. Um, I, my only bit on that is that I'm just going to – I'm going to be a real pissy fan if I if Tanner Mordecai starts any games this year. Um, yes. Even even injury, like if Jalen gets hurt, I'm going to be real pissy when Tanner Mordecai gets out there because I just mm-hmm. do not care about him, and I don't want to watch him play. He has fully occupied the Austin Kendall space in my brain from last year, so um, I'm over it. I think I tweeted like 10 minutes ago that I if I have to watch Austin Kendall 2.0 play meaningful snaps this year, I'm going to be real pissy. So yeah, that's my feelings about Tanner Mordecai. Yeah. I'm all I'm all aboard the Spencer Rattler train. I think that, you know, it would in all likelihood what would happen if Jalen got hurt is that Tanner Mordecai would come out there and show what kind of quarterback Tanner Mordecai is. And then Spencer Rattler would be the quarterback from that point on. Like I, I think that would be pretty I think Mordecai would get a chance. He would fail because it's Tanner Mordecai and then Spencer Rattler would be out there and he would be the guy. <laughs> So, yeah, not that Hopefully, I have. Yeah, I could see them that. doing some sort of like splitting series scenario. Like, you know, if if it's not a game that we're worried in the slightest about, like, yeah, we'll start out with Tanner Mordecai. Hey, let's give Spencer Rattler a drive. We'll give Tanner a drive, Spencer a drive, and then it will be very apparent which one is starting the next game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just. I just hope uh, Mordecai, if he does have to come in and play, he doesn't look like Trevor Knight against TCU in, what was it, 2015? Do you all remember how terrible that was in the second half? Just yeah. He could absolutely not move the ball after Mayfield got concussed. That was yeah. Fun. Yeah, right. that was great. I love that mm-hmm. night. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Stephen right. Parker. Yeah. Boy, yes. Stephen Parker's soul. <laughs> yeah. Um, and other just really brief Tanner Mordecai okay. news. Austin Kendall will be starting for West Virginia. So nice place, <laughs> ninth place in the Big Twelve. Called it early. I'm sticking with it. Ninth place in the Big Twelve for West Virginia and Austin Kendall. It's gonna right. be great. That's why Dana left. He's, he saw that. Yep. I was like, no, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> He's got Derek King now. He upgraded for sure. <laughs> All right, so let's go over to – let's hit some linebackers. And I think that the talk at linebacker is always going to start with Kenneth Murray. Um, mm-hmm. This is a guy that, you know, you just look at him on the field and you're like, holy shit, that's an NFL guy. He looks amazing. Um, you know, he's just physically everything you want from a middle linebacker. And 
um, has not, I would say about 80% of his snaps so far, he has not been that kind of player. Right. You know, obviously the guy flashes big time things, you know, he'll run guys from down from behind. He's got great speed. Um, and, but it just hasn't come together for him in any kind of consistent basis. Like he gets a lot of credit for that army game where he had like 30 tackles yeah. last year. And it was, he played horrible in that game. The whole defense yeah. did yeah. like somebody had to make the tackles for the 90 something plays they were running. And it just so happened that he was the guy that was getting drug to get those tackles. So, um, just go, right. yeah, it just goes to show that ta- like stats aren't all are somewhat misleading because just yeah, because tackles, you have a hundred tackles is a disaster. Stat. Yeah. Just because Every you have play either ends with tackles. a tackle, a ball, like a pass yeah. going incomplete, a ball going out of town, bounce, or a touchdown. It's the only way a play can end. Yeah. So just because you have 140 tackles doesn't mean you're an All-American. I mean, right. Curtis you're on the had, field way too damn much. Yeah. I mean, right. Curtis Lofton had like 130 tackles, but it's because he's a badass. It wasn't because he was, you know, they were on the field all the time and he was just getting dragged yeah. with three yards. So yeah. All you, there's all you had different to do. ways to getting it. All you had to do was watch, you know, a series of OU last year on defense to know that Kenneth Murray was not a great football player. He wasn't yeah. even a good football player a lot of the time. You know, it You're was. Right. I was rewatching the West Virginia game the other day, and just just a step slow in every fit in the run game. Like he mm-hmm. was just, he was almost there a lot, but he just was not there. I watched the Alabama game again, and like. Tua made him look terrible a couple times. Like he was in position and then Tua would put like a really small move and he would just fall down. Like there were times where he just was not good at the most basic thing in terms of just getting to the right position and making the tackle when he was there. Yeah, right. I think and the biggest – go ahead. I was just going to say like you look at like the – we talked about like 80% of snaps where you, you know look like this. Like you, then you look at the other 20% and you just don't understand – like, how can this guy look slow or weak, right? But yeah, he did. to me, it's like four it's out of just, five snaps. He did. Yeah, to me, it's just the biggest indictment of him is you just don't think. I just don't know if the instincts are there. I think the athletic talent is one hundred percent, absolutely there. It's just I don't know how good of a a lot of linebacker is feel and being able to diagnose a play. You know. It's, that split second before it happens and just being able to kind of feel how all that works. That's why I said so many great college football linebackers aren't necessarily NFL guys, but they are great because they have that instinct. I just mm-hmm. don't know if he has it. So I, what you hope obviously is that with Tim Kish gone, you know, thank the Lord uh, and Brian Odom is the new position coach and with Alex Grinch's scheme, which is, you know, our, I think we would all agree a pretty good natural fit for what Murray's strengths are that, you know, maybe maybe a, a light bulb goes off and he has the, you know, he's able to use his talent a little bit better and he's able to kind of make those reads a little bit quicker now that he's in his third year. But I think I, I think most of us are probably in that camp of just kind of, you need to prove it to me first. And yeah, he's getting a lot of hype in the offseason, but he has the last year or two also. So, right. We're kind of in the same boat. I just needed to, I need to see it proven out before I'm ready to completely buy in. I have a question. Um, so obviously Kenneth Murray is like in the heart of the defense and the middle. There's a lot of traffic around him at all times. And this is I'm trying to come up with an excuse for some of the stuff that I've seen so far. Um, could the fact that 
our defensive line was playing in a very, uh, we'll just call it stupid way. Um, <laughs> in terms Brock of, ju- yeah, in terms of just, you know, trying to hold up blocks. And generally, they might be holding them up blocks, but they were also getting pushed backwards a little bit in general. Mm-hmm. We didn't get much penetration or push, you know, moving the offensive line the other way. Um, could it be possible that it was kind of hard for Kenneth Murray to see everything, um, especially like in the run game, because he had defensive linemen getting pushed into his face? Is that a an acceptable excuse for at least some of his shortcomings so far? Yeah, I think it's acceptable. I mean, because right. what that I mean, says, I, especially okay. his numbers combined with like, Curtis Bolton's tackle numbers from last year, too. I mean, those guys were making every tackle, which essentially mm-hmm. means they're getting four or five yards of pop at least every play. And so, right. yeah, with with the D-line getting pushed back into them, they're probably not seeing anything until it hits them four to five yards past the line of scrimmage. So, right. I, like, I yeah, you can absolutely look at, like, the tackle numbers from our linebackers last year as, like, an indictment of the defensive line. Uh just really not doing its job, just consistently failing every play to get penit- like, and you know, you could argue they were trying to do a stupid job instead of successfully doing a good job. Um, so sure, no, I I think there's absolutely a degree to which scheme plays into what Kenneth Murray was having to deal with. I do think yeah. like it's funny because I don't want to say that Alex Grinch's scheme is more simple. Uh, because you look at like the use of like uh, just wrap like all of the pre-snap motion and the shifts, and mm-hmm. it's like that's not simple. But what is simple is um, the mentality he asked for. First and foremost, um, you he, he wants guys to do their job and then hustle to the ball, and that's something I think Kenneth Murray can do. Um, yeah. And you know I. There was there was a clip of Grinch at a practice uh, talking, you know, it was just a, you know, really just a, like a promo clip more than anything. But some of the things he said, I've been reflecting on in terms of comparing them to probably comparing the sort of approach to defense that Mike had and like in general, the two cap system and genders. And just one of the simplest things he says is, hey, if you are blocked at the end of a play, you failed, you know. You can't end a play blocked. If everybody ends a play blocked, we give up a touchdown. And right. like you compare that to like a system that says, well, it's okay to be blocked because if they're blocking you, maybe they're not blocking someone else. And how that like, you know, it creates a sort of not my like I could see it creating a sort of like a not my fault mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was getting sure I got blocked, but uh, you know, if I'm getting blocked, then why why didn't you do it? Um, and yeah. I think especially when this is a system being cut, taught to you by Mike Stoops, a big, dumb, idiot jerk. Um, <laughs> God damn it. it always <laughs> comes back to that. Every podcast, we just like have to take the time to shit on Mike Stoops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, then yeah, no, I could, I, I think it, that there's, cathartic. there's both like a schematic element and a mentality element to the changes in defensive philosophy that I think could help Kenneth Murray play better. And a lot of it is going to start with like a change in what's happening in front of him. 
to something that is logical. Right. I think it's a goddamn crutch, but we can go on to the next guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I wasn't he, super sold on that because I agree that there are things where it's like, I don't know, like there's like a toss sweep and he yeah. like waits a second to react right. to getting out to that side of the ball. You know there's, what I mean? And it's, There's a really right. good linebacker on shitty defenses every year. So why couldn't yeah. he be that? Right. Yeah. Here's, a, here's a weird thing to think about. I think Kenneth Murray will have a better season this year. And I think everyone will think he has a worse season. <laughs> well, really? I, I don't know. I well, don't okay. Think, I like, think I think he'll have like, like people don't people. I think you're overrating how people currently think about how Kenneth Murray has done. I mean, dude no, was like, a Big Twelve preseason player of the year. Yeah, yeah. he's getting it, like it, first round oh, high. God, okay, he didn't get yeah, that's fair. All American, but like he was getting talked about it. Like people yeah. were like a hundred. How many do you have? I heard forty tackles. Like I heard thirty yeah. something. They could, that's the thing. They throw out the stat, and they yeah. don't know what happened. How right, they got there. Right. It's, Sorry, I. What, I, I what think you, I guess I over. I expected more. I guess. Yeah. No. What, uh, <laughs> of you know, national media. More. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what it's amazing. It's one of those things where the fan base that actually watches him has a much lower uh, impression or opinion of him than the national guys around him. Because I remember there's. Uh, without getting into certain networks, there's guys who cover other teams within the Big 12 that rave about Kenneth Murray, and then the OU guy gets on the call, and he's like, "Really? That's how you think of him in that way?" You know, it's yeah, it's kind of like think, they think. Of, go ahead, Alex. I'm I'm about to ramble. So right. Go ahead. Well, I I think that <laughs> the best way to kind of talk about this is that like everybody looks at Kenneth Murray as like that Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year type, and I think. 80% of OU fans would say that he's probably not going to be the best linebacker on the team this year or not, maybe not 80%, but I think it's more than 50% of OU fans would say, or at least OU fans that pay attention would say that say, he's probably not going to be don't know who Deshaun White is yet. Right. Right. But <laughs> right. like people that pay attention are probably going to say, Oh yeah, he's going to be OU's second best linebacker this year. And like, that would just be a shocking thing to hear from a, a Texas fan. And I, and I mm-hmm. honestly, I know I shit on him a lot and it's Sam Ellinger. I think that people are overrating Sam Ellinger because they haven't watched him play that much. You know what I mean? They saw him play against OU big fucking deal. And then they saw what he did against the Georgia team that didn't give a shit. And it's like, oh, Sam Ellinger's amazing. Right. And then obviously Texas fans are going to love their perfect boy from Austin. So it like kind of over, they don't, you don't get the negative Texas fan reaction. But I think right. that that's another example of that being the case in terms of people overrating a player that they just don't watch all that much. Um, mm-hmm. All right, let's go. Let's go ahead and move on to the guy that we were talking about, Deshaun White. Um, he's a guy that it was interesting because, you know, Caleb Kelly was coming back for a senior season and he was probably going to be playing Deshaun White's position. Um, they were going to be competing for the spot. And I think most people probably thought that Deshaun White would either beat Caleb Kelly out for the will position or he would beat Kenneth Murray out for the Mike position and Caleb Kelly and Deshaun White would be the linebackers. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. the opinion of, of Deshaun White is that high. It is, it didn't matter who was starting with him. He was going to be one of the guys that was starting, you know, didn't matter. Like 
there was talk like you could see Kenneth Murray, you know, move down to like the rush position and play as like a rush in type um, to get him, Caleb Kelly and Deshaun White on the field at the same time. Um, but obviously that, you know, problem didn't arise because, you know, Caleb Kelly tore his ACL and that kind of took care of itself. But mm-hmm. the fact remains is we've got a guy that most people that, you know, play pay really close attention to the program think that Deshaun White's going to be a really, really good linebacker. And he's a perfect fit for the Big 12. Yeah, he's really, really fast, uh, which I think is also a, what Grinch wants in his linebackers. He's not, you know, 6'3", 245 pounds. You know, the prototypical inside linebacker, he's more, you know, six foot, six one, 225 pounds and really fast. Uh, and I, I, I think he's pretty natural at that will spot. Um, he played pretty well as a true freshman. I know he had to play like in the Big 12 championship. Kenneth Murray had to go out for a series or two, and there wasn't really any noticeable drop-off, which kind of le- lends itself to what we were talking about earlier. But uh, I don't know. I'm excited to see him play. He's been getting – I mean, just today, Grinch mentioned him as one of the standouts so far um, in post-practice. So I think he's someone that's definitely primed to have a big year. Yeah, well, and it's just, you know, coming out of high school, I mean, we've talked a lot about how stupid recruiting him was. It was the dumbest thing ever. But by the end of that recruiting process, Deshaun White was a guy that the coaches wanted more than anybody in the country at linebacker because they (laughs) loved the athleticism. They loved the total package that he provided. Um, we, We took a really stupid route to getting him, but we got him, thank God. And so we're, we're finally going to get to see what he is this year. Um, the last thing about Deshaun White to me is, is there any concern, Nathan, I guess, or anybody, I guess, is there <laughs> any concern that he could be a Dominique Alexander type in that he's a little bit undersized? And Dominique yeah. Alexander always got a ton of praise because, you know, he always knew where to be. He was pretty athletic. He was, you know, pretty instinctual and he was fast. But when he got there, not much happened. You know, it was yeah. like he grabbed onto the guy and got drugged for a while. So are there and I know that practice is probably not they do a lot of like just pop practice, you know, to where you don't mm-hmm. have to take the guy fully to the ground. So I'm wondering, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm like super concerned about it but i just am wondering if that is something that you've thought about i mean yeah i think it's i mean anytime someone is six foot 225 pounds i think that's completely legitimate to have that concern but i don't think inherently being six foot 225 pounds makes you a dom alexander guy i mean and Mm -hmm. i don't want to even talk down on dom alexander because i've said on here you know if he had been a little bit bigger i think he would have been a great player and would probably be still in the nfl because I think he right. had the instinct. He's kind of the inverse Kenneth Murray. He had the instincts. He just didn't have the body. So right. I think with um, the thing I, that gives me a little bit more hope with uh, Deshaun White is in high school, he was a, I mean, he was a guy that was, that was definitely willing to come up and hit. Um, he, was a, some, he was considered physical. Um, I mean, I think he – I'm not going to put him at the level of Devin Bush – but he's not any smaller than Devin Bush was for Michigan. And, yeah, I mean, that was never a problem with Devin Bush. And he's also – he's at the will spot. And I know they're, quote-unquote, interchangeable. But at the will spot, 
I, I mean, theoretically, he's doing a little bit more chasing. And so and while Dom Alexander was at the mic, so he's taking on blocks just a little bit more. So that might help him somewhat more. He might be able to chase guys down instead of having to fight guys off a little bit. Um, so maybe yeah. the size won't come into play quite as much. Well, and I know that one of the big things that they've talked about is that Alex Grinch doesn't want one guy to have to make a tackle. He wants there to be like four guys around the ball on every play. And mm-hmm. so, you know, theoretically, having two guys that aren't amazing tacklers but are ridiculously good athletes that are super fast, yeah. if they're both there, theoretically, one of them or, you know, two of them can make the tackle. You know what I mean? If it's Kenneth Murray and Deshaun White, you would think that, yeah, they could get they could make the tackle because they're both there. And they're moving fast in getting there. So, like, I'm not super concerned about it. I think the scheme, again, you know, we talk about it over and over again. I think the scheme will help a guy like Deshaun White. It would have helped a guy like Dominique Alexander as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for comparison, Devin Bush is listed at 5'11", 234. Deshaun right. White is 6'2", 224. So, and maybe yeah, a little bit lighter. In the Big he's Ten. also a sophomore. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's go. Let's go ahead and move on to a guy that I think I believe he received some hype today. I didn't actually hear it. Nathan was talking to about about it earlier. Uh, let's talk about Ryan Jones because mm-hmm. he is an interesting guy. You know, physically, he's up there with Kenneth Murray and Deshaun White. Like overall, the athletic, the uh, the linebacker core is very athletic. Like there's Which not a super weird. Considering yeah. Tim Kish. <laughs> right. Yeah, considering Tim Kish was the guy recruiting here, and like some of them are guys that he didn't recruit, and they just changed positions. And that's that's true. You know, so like Ryan Jones. <laughs> Ryan Jones yeah. is a perfect example of that. The guy came in. He played wide receiver in high school. Mm-hmm. Came to OU as a safety, and then he just got too big, so they had to stick him at linebacker. Um, this guy was maybe the worst defensive football player we put on the field last year. Yikes. I mean, I'm just <laughs> just throwing that out there. Like he was really bad. Army game, real bad. Yeah, Texas game, true. really bad. Um, he looked pretty bad at times, but he had a position changed. He was on the outside last year, and this year he's moved to the inside. Um, and yeah, he's getting some praise from the coaches, and I'm pretty excited about it because he is the guy like perfect size. Like I think he's like. What's he like? Six two, two hundred and thirty six pounds or something ridiculous. Yeah, it's 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 in that ballpark. That is exactly what he is listed at. Holy, yeah, See? good job. Look at that. Comes back. I'm good at this. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, any any thoughts on Ryan Jones? I mean, just primo athleticism. I, you you hit the nail mm-hmm. on the head. It's just. With him, you just hope he can grasp the the instincts and the scheme and all that stuff. Kind of what we were talking about with Kenneth Murray. He has the natural athletic ability. Now with him, you're also a little, for at least for me, I'm a little concerned just about how um, willing he is to be physical and being able to fight off blocks and kind of that stuff that you have to deal with as a linebacker. Because like you said, he played wide receiver in high school. I mean, then he came in as a safety, and he just slowly moved his way down, kind of like Keenan Clayton, except Keenan Clayton played uh, the sandbacker whenever Venables was here, but kind of in that same thing. He was just a big jumbo safety. Uh, I think if he's able to kind of develop as a player, as a linebacker, and develop those characteristics, I mean, 
he's someone that could get drafted super high just because of athleticism. He could blow the combine up just from, yeah. based off of yeah. everything we've read about him for the last three years. It's just whether he can um, – what he need, what really you'd like to see this year is he becomes the guy that they trust enough to put on the field just to spell the ones. And he's yeah. looked at as part of the regular rotation defense. Well, I guess, I guess my question here is I think it's pretty well documented that if there is an injury like to Kenneth Murray, Deshaun White slides over to the mic. I think mm-hmm. that that's pretty obvious. They um, even practiced him there in the last scrimmage. Yeah. Said. Is Ryan Jones the guy that replaces Kenneth Murray if he gets hurt at this point? I kind of think he is because yeah. early on there was, you know, some praise for Brian Asamoah. And I, I think we're still high on Brian Asamoah. We can probably talk about him in a minute. But as the camp has worn on, I think we've been seeing Ryan Jones' name pop up a bit more and a bit more. So, yeah. Right. If I had to, you know, say it today, I think he's the number three inside linebacker or maybe it's hard to say with Levi Draper, but um, mm-hmm. there's a decent chance that he's the third inside linebacker. Right. And I also expect to see him a hell of a lot on special teams. So, right. I will say my concern about Ryan Jones is that he comes to OU like he plays wide receiver in high school, comes to OU as a safety then learns Will linebacker, you know, or he was okay. an, yeah, he's an outside edge right. guy last he year. Lear- he learned, yeah, he learns outside linebacker last year. Now he learned he's learning a different linebacker position in a different scheme. Like there just hasn't been a lot of continuity in training, um, right. in terms of like That's positional, fair. like learning the ins and outs of position. And so, like, I worry, you know, at what point, you know. There's a degree to which, like, this is a you know, this is a fresh start in a new scheme for everybody. I will but, like, say, linebackers have been linebackers before. Something mm-hmm. that might make you feel better about that is that it didn't look like he ever really learned how to play outside linebackers. <laughs> this is fair. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that wasn't like a waste or anything. So right. he just was chilling, hanging out. He just got to have some good exercise last year. So right. for his real it's position, cardio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I, I did not expect this. I expected a guy like Brian Mead or even Levi Draper, who's you know in his third year in the program now, to kind of be that third linebacker. But I mean, I'm pretty excited about the just the hype because he, you know, if you're talking upside, he's probably second to none at this position. You know, just purely right. physical. Yeah. He's got a, he's got all the upside in the world, and like he's one of those guys that when you see him, he's a lot like Kenneth Murray, and then you're like shit that guy looks like he would play at Alabama like just physically like he looks like that kind of linebacker um and that's the kind of players you want um let's go to let's go to Levi Draper um he's oh Levi Draper he's interesting he gained a lot of weight I think he, mm-hmm. he's now like 6'1 245 I believe yeah and I mean that's a lot bigger than what he was last year, and that's probably yeah. forty pounds more than he was when he got to OU as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had an interesting career so far in that, you know, there was a lot of hype for him coming out of Collinsville. He was like the best linebacker out of the state of Oklahoma in years, supposedly. So I mean, I know I thought he would play pretty early in his career, but it just hasn't quite worked out. He's had a lot of injury issues that have slowed him mm-hmm. down, but it also like. I've never heard any coaches be like, oh, yeah, Levi's great. 
we think you know it's always right. like oh he's he's got a future yeah he's right you know working. and it's this yeah it's this sort of thing like there was an understanding um you know that he was maybe in the doghouse with like mike mm-hmm. um and it's I, it's kind of interesting that like we're still not hearing a ton about levi draper well i mean odom did bring him up and just recently and with it during camp and said he was, you know, doing a good job and stuff like that. I okay. mean, it wasn't like glowing, but he, he did bring him, but he wasn't someone that was just like dismissed easily whenever they brought his name up. I mean, he talked about how he is buying in and um, yeah. doing all that type of stuff. He talked about, he mentioned, you know, how hard he was working and how he gained the weight and stuff. And I mean, I think the weight will be good for him because he was, he, I mean, he looked small, honestly. Um, right. Previously, I remember whenever he's in the U.S. Army game, he didn't really look like he belonged. Honestly, he he looked yeah, kind of, almost like a walk on. But um, I I think he'll play this year. I think early, at the start of camp, uh, there was a lot of talk about Brian Mead. I think the coaches just really like him because he's you know he's the prototypical walk on guy, really intelligent, knows what he's supposed to do, works really hard, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think Draper. It, part of it might be just me being out most of camp. I think Draper has kind of worked his way into the backup Mike spot, at least on an official death chart from that perspective. Um, Mm. I'm not sure what that really means, but I mean, it's not a bad thing. So hopefully he'll continue to progress and maybe we'll see him on the field some this year. I I would expect we'll certainly see him against South Dakota, if nothing else. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Um, let's talk about Brian Asamoa because he's a guy that has gotten some pretty high praise in this camp as well. Um, I would call him physically extremely similar to Deshaun White. Um, I think he's, I think he might be like an inch taller, but he is, I mean, again, another elite athlete at this position. Um, like I know that he did some things in the spring game that you're, you got kind of excited about. And it's like, this guy could be something. He was just, you know, physically very similar to Deshaun white, but as a football player, like he played running back for the majority of his high school career, he wasn't really a natural linebacker. So he's really had to learn how to play that position. And, you know, I think he's a guy with a ton of upside just in his second year in the program. So we might start seeing some stuff from him. I'm definitely pretty high on Brian Asamoah. Yeah, I think he's just another guy we'll see, certainly on special teams. And hopefully he has the kind of Travis Lewis uh, path that we saw with him because that was another former running back that made the transition once he got to college. And um, I think for Asamoa, for the most part, it's just kind of getting acclimated to being full-time defense and all that goes with that. Um, it's just going to take him a little time. He, he has... Uh, like you said, Deshaun White played inside linebacker his entire high school career, and that just wasn't the reality for Asamoa. So he has some yeah. catch up to do. Yeah, and like he played some defense, but I think a lot of that was like rush in type stuff. Like, so it was just you're more yeah. athletic than everybody. Go get the quarterback. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, it's even weird though he played some defense, have them do. yeah, right, it's like, yeah, it's like Oboe playing nose tackle. You never know what high schools are going to ask guys to do. So yeah, for sure. So. Uh, but absolutely, the the upside is there with Brian Asamoah. He's extremely fast for a linebacker. Um, I think if you uh, just give Alex Grinch enough athletes, somebody's going to pan out. Absolutely. That's and I, I think 
I've said this over and over again. The guys at this position theoretically fit what Alex Grinch wants really well. And the fact that we had recruited guys like that was really freaking stupid. Um, because <laughs> these guys did not fit the defense we were playing. But th- those were the guys that Tim Kish and Mike Stoops brought in. So, like, again, more ineptitude from the previous staff that might actually benefit the new staff. So It was all about the long there. game. Yeah, they all the long they game. Doing. They knew <laughs> they had like the like offense. Kish he had 2020 vision with his uh, with his transitions. Just absolutely, just Tim Kish with the time stone here. <laughs> Good lord. Um. All right. So, anybody else at linebacker? Obviously, Caleb Kelly exists. He probably will not play this year. Yeah. Um. It Jonathan wouldn't surprise Perkins me. Will be redshirting. I bet. And Let's transferring pretty soon. I am <laughs> calling it now. That's a. I don't even want to talk about him. Sorry, Jonathan. Mm. Um. Caleb Kelly would not surprise me if he were to play like the last four games of the year or something. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to do everything they can to try to have him come back next year. I think, I think Uh, ideally, ideally the plan is this at linebacker is that this year they want Kenneth Murray and Deshaun white to play great. Kenneth Murray to have a really breakout year and be good enough to go to the NFL where his physical tools will be, perfect for the NFL. And then I think next year they want, you know, they may play Caleb Kelly four games this year, get him fully ready to go for next year. So him and Deshaun white can be the linebacker pairing next year. Hmm. I think that's well, perfect, perfectly fine, yeah. but I'm also predicting that he will grad transfer to Nebraska next year to be with his girlfriend who plays on the soccer team. Fine. Fine. Be that way. Now they did, they did, and this is the strange. This is a fascinating move by OU Media. Is uh, he is the face of the season preview? Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that like the team loves Caleb Kelly. Right. He seems like a great guy. Caleb yeah. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it, I think that's genuine. I just don't know. I mean, I I love him to stick around and have a great senior year. I just don't know if it's going to happen. But yeah. I was oh, really happy him and Grich's defense. Like, cool. I was, that was probably the thing I was most excited for whenever mm-hmm. Grinch came on was seeing how Caleb Kelly would be used. Mm-hmm. At this point. Well, it you know, before Nathan ruined my idea, I I really liked that one. <laughs> if so. it happens though, just remember that on August twentieth, twenty nineteen, I said that. Mm. Yeah, and now, if what he if winds up having a great senior year to Oklahoma. Oh, the, the, the women's soccer team gets a pickup. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, if Caleb Kelly comes back and has a, a great senior year, just remember how wrong Nathan was. <laughs> you don't even have to remember that I was right. Just remember how wrong Nathan was about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, let's go ahead. Do what? Ah, just a prediction, not set to okay. okay, let's go ahead and move on to the secondary. Um, right. And let's talk about a position that is like, Maybe the closest thing to linebacker in the secondary. Um, let's talk about the nickelback position. Mm-hmm. And this has gotten super interesting because I know, you know, I personally had just assumed for months that Buki was going to be the guy at nickel. It just made a lot of sense. Um, you know, everybody's, you know, his comparison coming out of high school was the Tyron Matthew thing. And, like, Tyron Matthew was a nickel, and so it made just tons of sense for Buki to be the nickel 
in this defense. Mm-hmm. And the nickel's a really important position in this defense. They're kind of asked to do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, this this will suit Buki, you know, fairly well. He might struggle against the run and stuff, but like he has the tools to be, you know, at least somewhat successful. Um, Trey Norwood was a pretty big uh, com- competitor for that spot as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was taken care of when he tore his ACL. Unfortunately, um, I was kind of hoping Trey Norwood would win a spot at corner because I do not want to watch Parnell Motley play. And but it's gotten pretty interesting just these past couple weeks because it really seemed like Buki had established himself. But it seems like Chance Sylvie is coming on strong at this position and is really making a big time position battle out of this. And mm-hmm. you know, completely different kind of player. He's a bigger safe bigger safety. Um, let me throw out a guess to how big he is. I'm gonna say six foot, 198 pounds. 192. Ooh, overshot pretty close. Bit. Pretty close. Overshot it. Um, but yeah, just a different kind of player than Buki. I, I always liked Chance Sylvie in high school because he just was super physical coming up in the run game. And so that might be something that suits this position really well. Um, yeah. Because I think that would be what Buki struggles with the most. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Grinch wants because that's how he played the position at Washington State. That was like a small linebacker. So whenever yeah. we started seeing, you know, these converted corners in the spring at that position, I was just kind of perplexed because that's not how he used the, that spot in Washington State. He used it some, mm-hmm. but it was more of a like a big safety or, you know, you, he was converting more safeties to that spot than corners. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this shakes out. I think Chance Sylvie is the body type that Grinch wants at that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's probably intrigued by the possibility with that. I mean, I, I think Buki's still probably the odds-on favorite, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me to see, especially against teams like K-State and Texas and teams that are going to try and challenge you um, more in the run game, if Chance Sylvie gets more run at that position, just because I think he would hold up better. And it, they'd... He, Grinch doesn't have to um, cover for that spot because I think Buki, no matter what, is just going to be just by virtue of his size, a bit of a liability there. Right. Do you think it's? Do you oh, think it's possible? Yeah. Do you think it's possible that Buki is like the third down nickelback? Like Chance Sylvie yeah, plays I, the the run and Buki comes in for passing situations. I could see him being like the dime back, and I could also see him, you know, third down long long yardage passing situations them subbing them in. I think that I don't think there's going to be a one guy fits every situation at least early at this spot. Right. I kind of think they're going to play around with it and just see what works cuz I'm not sure there's an easy fix. And so maybe Buki, you know, really plays well on the run and that solves the problem or maybe Chance Sylvie just grabs the spot. I don't know. But yeah. I think they're they're certainly going to be willing to just kind of uh play around with it a little bit and see what what shakes out right. do you think there's a guy on the roster that has the potential to do like do it all at that position i think Cradell is the future of that position okay that's exactly what i was gonna say i was if you said no i was gonna throw jeremiah Cradell <laughs> out there i think i think Cradell is a guy that it wouldn't surprise me if he wins this spot by the end of the year like if if sylvie and buki struggle which that's pretty much all we've seen them do in their career mm-hmm. um in a different system, I get it. Um, but 
if that position struggles, I think that Cradell could be a guy that progresses as the season goes. And he mm-hmm. is the kind of guy, cause he played safety and corner in high school. Like he's a guy yeah, that modern day vers- so. yeah, versatile player. Um, I, I really like Cradell at this position and, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not saying that I think he'll win it this year. I think we'll probably get a year of chance Sylvie and Buki. Um, but I think that that, yeah, like you said, is he's the future of the position. I think it's at least good, and maybe it's just coach speak, but it really doesn't seem like it is. We were kind of talking about this before. It's not like a quarterback battle where you're worried about, you know, are these guys all, like, actually good and competing for a spot, or is, like, neither can discern themselves and you're just mm-hmm. picking the lesser two. Like, it really sounds like both of these guys can play, and they're both performing really well. Like you said, they probably just have different skill sets. So I think we'll, it's not like a Dakota Austin and Parnell Motley battle. Oh, God. You know, like this is, this is guys that will actually be playable <laughs> players. Like they can, they will factor in in different ways. And then mm. if Cradell emerges, yeah. like he's another guy that can factor in there. Like I think having that depth will be very yeah. good. Grace oh, yeah. just talked about having like a viable two deep, and just because you're listed as a two doesn't mean you're actually going to play. Like I think in this situation, both will actually play. So, and then as the season wears on, you could probably see, you'll probably start seeing more and more Jeremiah Cradell if the ones if both Buki and Sylvie aren't quite getting it done. So, right. I think this is I something am. that's going to go play well into the excuse me play well into the season. Yeah, I think. To me, one of the most interesting things uh, with Grinch coming in has been like the question of what happens with Buki. Um, because, you know, we saw last season that Nickel, you know, he was small. He was a freshman. And he's, he's not going to get much taller, obviously. And there's only so much weight he can put on his frame. So the question of size is always going to be a question at Nickel. And then you look at what Grinch wants from his corners. And you say, so we've got this five-star corner at a high school and like does he have a place in this defense you know and so I think it speaks to like his talent that like Chance Sylvie who is probably physically more what Grinch is looking for in this position is you know has not just won it outright and I think that speaks positively to both Chance and Buki in terms of like Mm -hmm. like Sylvie is clearly like able to succeed in this system um, you know, it, it, it's a system that will work for him. Um, and simultaneously, like, it, and, and as a result, like, Buki, a five-star athlete, you know, with, like, really good ball skills coming out of high school, is, you know, um, you know like, he's able to challenge that. And so, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting battle. Um, <laughs> I really want Buki to succeed at OU. Um, well, but at the same time, like it, it does become a question of like, well, where does he really fit in? Yeah, I mean, I think we all want him to succeed, and I think just from a from a recruiting perspective, he brings so much. Like, for, it's it's insane how many high school kids know who Buki is. He has, mm-hmm. he's somehow able has been able to like market himself super well. It's kind of strange, but um, <laughs> so if it would help OU immensely if he could actually become a success and like a truly good college football player. Um, but he's just a, frankly, a bad fit for what Grinch wants. Grinch wants length and speed at that spot. And he might have speed, but he certainly doesn't have length. So, right. um, 
he's just a strange fit and he's all he was always kind of a strange fit and now it's just being you know even more so just due to the uh, the, the defensive coordinator change so mm-hmm. I, I i mean I, I think again i think he's going to start out as the starter but i don't really know what to expect beyond that right i think yeah it it's an it one because it just isn't a good fit um, and the question has always been like, can he overcome that with talent and, mm-hmm. you know, with athleticism at his size and ability to, to lay out hits at his size is a huge thing. Um, cause I mean, the thing that sticks out to me with Pookie last season is that he made like one good play and it put him on the sidelines for a <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, so no, that the guy he did lay out was like six seven two forty five. Right, so. that's the thing is that he li- <laughs> he lays this guy out. He makes a great play and then like kills yeah. himself. He's like two. Bo- the guy, yeah, the guy you hit was like two booty. So <laughs> right. Anyway, all right. So I think that's a pretty good feel for the the nickel position. I did, you know, there are some other guys that theoretically could factor in there, but I don't have much hope for anybody else to be honest. So yeah. Let's go ahead and move to corner, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, this is the position on the defense that concerns me the most. I know a lot of people are concerned about safety um, or maybe you know defensive tackle, but I'm more concerned about corner than any other position. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason is, you know, I don't dislike Trey Brown. I think Trey Brown is getting incredibly overrated at this point. And I think Ouch. it has, I think it has a hundred percent all to do with the fact that he was our best corner last year on mm-hmm. a team that didn't have any good corners. Like the, yeah. that that's literally what his qualifications for being like, you know, people are calling him, you know, maybe a sleeper, all big 12 candidate. I just, I haven't seen that. Like I've seen him be the best corner on a team full of bad corners <laughs> and like, yeah, he has physical tools. He's a lot. He's probably the most, you know, physically strong corner that we have he's definitely the fastest corner we have but he's a guy that you know was making dumb boneheaded plays late in the season last year like it right. you know, he had that great sack against texas but like you know this is a guy that you know never had an interception you know never you know so like i don't know where all the i mean maybe the coaches talking about him has built a lot more hype too but i feel like the guy's just gotten overrated and like, I think he's like an average corner and that's good for what we have on this roster, I think. But, you know, talking about him being a guy that's an all big 12 guy or, you know, having, you know, he tweeted about Thorpe or nothing like thinking of him as a Thorpe winner is just stupid at this point to me. Right. I mean, I don't think, I think, I think there's, call, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, it's uh, I think there's a little bit of like the uh, like the same thing that goes on with Kenneth Murray happening with Trey Brown. All anybody knows about him is that he's fast and he made the most important defensive play of OU season last year. Yeah, and so I think that's right. He's and also so got like the uh, proud Union Redskin uh, lineage. So <laughs> right. just want to throw that out there. Um, and so like yeah, there's I mean. I really like Trey Brown. I was a part of hashtag Team Trey Brown all last year, but he was part of a very bad secondary. Yeah, a very very bad secondary, and he was I, not an innocent bystander in that. And I'm not yeah. going to try to defend 
you know, Kerry Cooks was an idiot for not playing him every snap that he could. Like, he was the best corner on the team last year. Mm-hmm. And it was fairly obvious to everybody that watched the team play football. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy was not, he wasn't great. Like, he was just an average, you know, sometimes above average, but mm-hmm. most of the time just an average corner. Like, and that's yeah. okay. Like, I'm fine with that. Like, we need guys so, that are at least at that level. So I think the thing with Trey is it's more about what he could be, what he can become with competent coaching. So I think he's going into his third year. His second year is truly, well, he was kind of a part-time starter his freshman year. I think he started maybe one game his freshman year, you know, six, seven, eight games last year. So this is his true like third year, full-time starter breakout season, probably. And he's, he's got pretty good size. He's, you know, an elite speed guy. It's just more about he has the tools, and now maybe he has the coaching to go along with it. Um, I, I don't. I, I think anyone calling for a Thorpe Award is just insane, um, right? But I think it's perfectly reasonable to think that you know, if he has a really, if he plays up to his potential, he could make a second team All Big Twelve list or something like that. I think that's perfectly fine. I think, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay, go ahead. keep going. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I mean, I, Pat Fields at the at the uh, Meet the Sooners Day said something about like, oh, this should be Trey's last year if he does it right. I mean, I guess, but he'd have to have a monster season for that to be, you know, to make sense. Um, I mean, I don't. I, I don't put... see that level of jump coming. It's hard to put stock in what players say about each other because Bennett Okucha got compared to Ed Reed one time, and I just Uh, lost. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of Ed Uh, Reed, and I I know we're going to talk about Pat pretty soon. Have you like he is like stealing Ed Reed's look? He has the hair. He has like the round glasses, the scraggly beard. He. We need to do like a side by side picture of the two because they. they, (laughs) It's it's eerie at this point. Go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, this is th- my thing with Trey Brown, and this is going to my, be my thing with the entire secondary, is, yeah. um, uh, but especially the corners, is that I just, coming out of the Kerry Cooks era makes it really hard for me to evaluate how good any of these players are because, like, we've, we just watched, like, three or four straight years of corners getting worse every year, and it was maddening, and I had no explanation for it. And yeah, so like now it's like, are are any of these guys good? I have no idea. I have no yeah. conception of what these of what these players' ceilings is, you know, or if they're even close to being able to yeah. reach it. I just I don't I refuse to accept that the talent is as bad as the play was. I just don't think that's true. So I think they'll be better. I don't. No, Thorpe Award's not going to happen, but maybe all Big 12, I think that's possible for Trey Brown. Maybe I'm biased. I don't know. But I think it's, if he plays to talent level, I think it's reasonable. Yeah. And again, like, I I don't dislike him. I, he's definitely, I think, the best corner on the team, but I just, I've heard too much hype of him this offseason yeah. for my liking. All right, let's go to the the other guys at this position. Um, let's talk about Parnell Motley. And <laughs> let's let's talk about Parnell Motley. I'm done with him. I don't 
I don't care. Like he's probably going to start and I'm just going to be mad. Like I, he is the guy that, you know, on this defense, when he messes up, I'm going to get extra mad about it because it'll be like the thousandth time that he's messed up. Um, and I just, this one, the most frustrating thing in the world to me has been talk, hearing people say that, well, Parnell Motley's the only guy that has like, you know, more than two interceptions on this team. He Parnell like Motley five. was like the king of the meaningless interceptions. Yeah. Like, if you go back and think about the interceptions Parnell Motley's accrued, like, one of them mattered. The Ohio State one mattered. You know, that was a game-changing play. All the other ones were, like, at the end of the game, and he could have just as easily batted the ball down because they were, like, fourth down things or that, like, against Mm -hmm. TCU, the guy threw it right to him. Like, I do not care about – I don't care. I don't care about the plays he's made. I care about how many – place he's given up and just how you know like i can't get like 2017 bedlam out of my head like he was so bad (laughs) um i can't get 2018 iowa state out of my head like it's just over and over again i just can't forget those things so i just i never want to i don't want to watch him play like he's probably going to start i do not want to watch him play Right. Like bringing up Parnell Motley's interceptions is like bringing up Nerland Noel, Noel's blocks. Like, you know that you're lying. Like, you know that this is a dumb stat you're taking out of context. Yeah. I mean, you well, and it's that... not like five interceptions in the as many games he's it, played. It's as also impressive. not very many. Yeah. Yeah. In three years. Yeah. I mean, you just hope that if he does end up starting, he has the great senior year that, I mean, that he puts that on. I think his like ceiling is like Anthony Aver at, at Alabama. Like he's undersized and like okay, but at least at, for for Averett's, I think it's Averett's case. He was just like overshadowed by everyone around him. It's like oh well, he's not that good, but everyone else can kind of make up for it. Parnell probably doesn't have that luxury, but I think at the best case scenario, he's just okay. And I don't know right. that that'll even happen. Um, he has good ball skills, but he also gets beat all the damn time, and he's not very physical to make up for it. I just no. don't know. I think if you're an OU fan, you're hoping like hell that Jordan Parker beats him out and resumes what he looked like and kind of continues what he could have looked like after 2016, where he had, a, frankly, a pretty good freshman year as a true freshman starter. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Jordan Parker. Um you know, this is the guy I've kind of latched on to. Like, obviously, I He's the I wasn't I wasn't totally done with Trey Norwood after last year. Um, like, Speaking I think there's some. Yeah, I think there was some positive things. I've seen more positives from him and fewer negatives. Um, so I was kind of hoping Trey Norwood would win this spot. But now that that is out of the question, Jordan Parker is kind of the guy I've latched on to, and it's kind of now or never for this guy because mm-hmm. you know he's had a lot of injury issues. He's they switched him to safety last year when they probably shouldn't have. Yeah, that's um, dumb. It was really dumb, and it was – I just – Kerry Cooks, man, come on. Um, it didn't work out for him there. And like like you said, as a freshman, he kind of stabilized the defense. It, that position was kind of a dumpster fire before he got out there. I think Texas was when he really first started playing. Mm-hmm. It was. And the defense kind of stabilized after he got out there, um, other than obviously Texas tech, that game exists. Um, but you know, overall pretty solid player that year. And he wasn't, you know, Sanchez was kind of the guy that would get 
beat deep, but he would make up for up for it for making play. And Jordan Thomas, sorry, Jordan Thomas was the guy that would get burned on that defense. But you know, Parker, he would give up underneath stuff, but I don't really remember him getting beat over the top that year. Um, so I don't know. To me, that's just an improvement on Parnell Motley because I don't know. Corner is the position where I almost feel like. You know, getting interceptions is awesome, but like I don't think it outweighs giving up touchdowns when you're getting mm-hmm. beat consistently. And like yeah. Zach Sanchez was like the one guy that maybe was close to being able to make up for it because he had a lot of interceptions and usually returned them like for touchdowns when he did. So that like was mm-hmm. pretty cool. But um I haven't seen anything like that from a guy like Parnell Motley and you know, so I, I want a guy that can just be a stabilizing force and just not get destroyed repeatedly over the top. Yeah, I want my safety right. getting interceptions. Um, yeah, exactly. The thing right. with the thing with Jordan Parker is Lincoln called him like the story, one of the, probably like the story of the camp. And whenever like coaches start saying stuff like that, that kind of perks your ears a little bit because that's mm-hmm. like really high praise instead of just like, oh yeah, he looks good. Like that actually yeah, has some weight to hard. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, so I think I I don't know if he'll start against Houston, but it wouldn't shock me at all if he's starting against Texas. And um, I think that's kind of the I think if you're an OU fan and you're honest with yourself, I think most people probably would want to see that happen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think the thing that's exciting is that there's going to be some probably some sense of accountability at this position. You know, it's like you can't just get beat over and over again. And they're not, they're not going to keep throwing you out there if you suck, basically, you know, like Jordan Thomas was never, you know, he, for two years, didn't think he had to worry about getting pulled for sucking. And because he had like true freshmen that weren't ready behind him. And it turned out he just sucked so bad that they had to do something, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Parnell Motley until now, I hope, you know, never really had to worry about getting pulled because it was like he was always at least going to be a third corner that got snaps. So, you know, I think that this year could finally be in a position where, hey, if we've got a guy that just gets beat over and over again, like he's just not going to play like he's going to get out of the game. We got guys like Jordan Parker. Um, Haven't heard of much about Miguel Edwards in the fall, which I found interesting because I feel like he got a lot of praise in the spring. Um, so that's a little disappointing, but it, it, overall the depth, like the freshmen are getting praised. So mm-hmm. there's just a higher level of depth. It seems, um, mm-hmm. let's go to Miguel Edwards and, um, he's a guy that I really liked out of high school. Um, mm-hmm. honestly, like, I don't know who we reminded you guys of. I always kind of thought maybe Aaron Colvin. And I know that's like, lofty because Aaron Colvin was Mm -hmm. really freaking good but like I don't know I just saw a little bit of Aaron Colvin from him in high school and was hoping that he could produce that in college um you know he played last year a little bit looked kind of rough at times but you know there was some potential there and now that he's presumably being coached well maybe there's Mm -hmm. something there for Miguel Edwards yeah I, I think best case scenario well I don't know about best case scenario but I think what you're most likely looking at with him is probably uh, Trey Brown's backup, um, a lot of special teams, that kind of a thing. Um, I, I don't, I don't even know if I have a good player comp for him. I don't remember if I had one at the time. But 
he's just another one of those guys. I, I know he picked off Austin Kendall in the spring game two years ago. So, yep, got that going for him. Um, maybe he'll make that make that happen again in Norman this year. But uh, I haven't heard his name a ton this spring, or excuse me, this uh, this fall. But I think most of uh, his corner has been going around with the starters and Parker and then maybe the freshmen. So he might just be getting overlooked a little bit just because he's already been here a little. But um, I know Manning brought him up in a recent interview. So he's. I think it's perfectly likely to see him on the field some. Um, but I, other than that, I think it's, he's more likely to really become a big part of the defense next year. Um, as, yeah potentially starting opposite Brown or if Brown were to leave for whatever reason, then uh, maybe take that spot over. That's going to be a pretty epic battle at that spot next year with the freshman being a year older, mm-hmm. Jordan Parker still being around. Like it's going to be a pretty big battle. I feel like at that Starlin spot. Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and talk about those freshmen that we have alluded to. Um, I think the guy that has received the most praise is Jaden Davis out of St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, it's kind of, it makes sense. Like STA is one of the best high schools in the country. So like, yeah, he played a really high level of competition down there and he played mm-hmm. it well. So, you know, it makes sense that he would be a guy that's, you know, closer to being ready to play as a true freshman. The yeah. thing with him that has been the most surprising to me is that he looks more physically developed than I thought he would. You know, I kind of was expecting a, maybe a little bit more developed, like Trey Norwood type guy, but like, he's not in that ballpark at all. Like he's not, you know, he's not fully developed by any means, but he's, he looks the part as like a, as a freshman corner. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree. I I think the thing that surprised me the most about him, you talked about development, but just how much, how, how quickly Grinch and Manning are uh, to compliment him and talk him up a little bit, just because, He's not the ideal fit for what they're looking for in recruiting now, as far as bringing new guys into their program. What their ideal quote, right. what ideal yeah. fit is for the de- uh, their defensive backs, because um, he's five t- and one hundred and seventy five pounds ish. Um, that's not you know he's he's not the big corner that they kind of covet now. So, but he seems to be you know in the mix for that. Uh, for a two spot, maybe being that fourth corner with Miguel Edwards, you know, he's right there, I think. So it'll be, I'm curious to see how much run he gets, especially early in the season, just to see how he does. Bless you. Against, yeah. uh, <laughs> just to see how he does against teams, especially like Houston or UCLA, that can maybe kind of challenge uh, a little bit more early on, just to kind of see what they got. Um, but I think, being at a program like you mentioned St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, that just, he's so much further ahead probably from a schematic understanding and from a, from a conditioning uh, standpoint as other guys are. So that's probably Mm -hmm. what's really helped him kind of jump in early, even as a summer enrollee and uh, make some, make some early buzz in fall camp. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The other freshman is uh, Woody Washington. He's out of Tennessee um, I think that he's definitely more in line with what the new coaching staff would look for in a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's bigger. I think he's, you know, 5'11", 6 feet. Um, 
so just a little bit bigger of a guy and you know he looks very physically impressive like you just see some videos of him from fall camp and you're like yeah that that's what an OU corner should look like um you know and I he's one of those guys that I feel like he could play pretty much anywhere in the secondary like if they really needed him to like you know he's a guy that could factor in like if nickel is just a horrible dumpster fire like Maybe they try him out there at some point because, you know, I think he has the tools to be successful pretty much anywhere, even safety. Um, And he was, you know, there's no secret as to why this is the case. He was by far the highest recruited player that we have in secondary. Like he was a top 50 player. Um, Mm -hmm. He was a huge get out of Tennessee. And, you know, like these are the kind of players that we need at this position to kind of turn it around. Yeah, with him, you just... He's a summer enrollee, so he's probably just going to take maybe take a little time, especially because he's from Tennessee. I think he's Murfreesboro. So, yeah. Um, you know, he probably isn't quite as developed from a understanding and from all that kind of stuff, just kind of the actual football part of uh, getting acclimated. So if he plays this year, I think it'll mostly be like special teams, maybe a gunner or something. But um, I think yeah. he'll be right in the thick of it next year. Absolutely. Um. All right, so... That really does it at corner. Uh, Starlin mm-hmm. Baldwin's going to transfer in all likelihood. Like mm-hmm. we'll Arkansas is what the rumors are. Yeah. yeah, Arkansas for Starlin. He's just not a fit in this defense. He's like 160 pounds. He's had two knee injuries. You right. know, sucks for him. But hey, we've got we've got to move on from guys like that. Um, let's move to safety because. I, I said earlier about how I'm relatively secure at safety, and I just want to clarify that by saying I feel good about our starters. Mm-hmm. I feel After probably – I think I feel worse about our backups than any other position on the yeah, defense. It's a, it's a void. So if if our starters don't get hurt, I think we're going to be fine here. I think we're going to get the best safety play we've had since 2012 yeah. if our starters are healthy. The and those starters – I was just going to say the problem with that is one of our starters likes to throw himself around like a wrecking ball. So I'm not sure how long he'll last, but um, yeah, as far for as sure. Health is good. Health wise goes. Yeah. So that the guy we're talking about there is, is Delarian Turner yell. Um, and he's a guy that got to play a little bit last year. He dropped an interception against West Virginia. That was brutal. And, could have mm-hmm. cost us the game if Kyler Murray and CD Lamb weren't yeah. so good. Or um, as his Sooner Sports profile says, one pass breakup. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so um. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's something that I wanted to talk about. Uh I was watching like this mic'd up for for Alex Grinch thing the other day. Had did mm-hmm. any of you guys watch this? Yes. Yeah, that was what I was like talking a, about earlier. A minute and a half. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. So like the big point he made was, you know, he was talking about it's not OK to drop interceptions. You know, yeah. he's like, oh, you can't just be. Yeah, don't be off. Oh, shucks. Shucks. Like that. Like, that's not a thing. We're not doing that. We we catch the ball because we need to get the ball back to our offense. Mm-hmm. And if you have that ball in your hands and don't make the play, then that's a problem. You know, that like, happened so, a lot. The last yeah. It's so kind of impressive times. how many they dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unbelievably, like just so bad. And I, I love that mentality, man. Just mm-hmm. more, more mentality change. Like 
Because every time it was like there'd be another guy come up, pat him on the back. It's like, oh, it's okay. I'm like, nah, man. You have to catch that ball. Like the ball was mm-hmm. lofted up into the air. Um, was it Khalil Houghton in the TCU game last year that had one just thrown right to him in the air? It was like a punt, and he just dropped it. Like so. that sounds right. Mm-hmm. That just that is the most infuriating thing because it's like you've you've done your job. You put yourself in position for whatever reason. The quarterback threw the ball up in the air like that. You're there, nobody's around you, and you can't make the play. Like, that's just yeah. inexcusable. And, like, guys and that can't make yeah. that play should not be on the football field. Right. And from, like, a mentality standpoint, it's a particularly insidious point because, um, you know, you, like like the Sooner Sports bio says, it was a pass breakup, you know? Maybe mm-hmm. you, you could convince yourself you did your job, even if you dropped that ball, when the reality is that you just missed the best opportunity you're going to have. To yeah. give the ball back to your offense. Exactly. Um, all right. So with with Turner Yell, uh, like you said, Nathan, he is kind of a wrecking ball and that he just kind of has no regard for his own well-being, it seems mm-hmm. like. He likes to just, you know, lay a hit on people and he's a relatively undersized guy. Um, what I will say for him, though, is that he's probably the fastest guy we have at safety. Um, I, obviously I don't know like 40 times, but you know, just basing it off of stuff I've seen from him on the field, like he is a pretty fast guy. Like I'm, I'm excited to have a guy with that kind of speed. I feel like it's been a while since we've had a, like a really fast safety back there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he's as heavy, but my, and I, obviously it's anytime you make a comparison, it's going to be to a really good player, but I think style wise, I'm expecting kind of like a poor man's Carl Joseph. Um, so I think that's kind of what we're going to see to someone who's not afraid to really hit somebody. And I don't think we've had a safety that's been like that in a long time. Um, that kind of has carried that mentality. Our safeties be seem more hit averse the last decade or so. Um, yeah. So I think it'll be interesting just from a weight standpoint, if he can hold up, but I mean, they call him trouble, which is kind of funny. Um, and they, you, you even heard Grinch call him that in that video that you mentioned. But um, I think, yeah, from a speed and violence standpoint, he's probably the more exciting of the two projected starters. And I think we've talked about this offline before. You know, they kind of, the two projected starters kind of complement each other well as far as one of them's kind of the really aggressive um, – big play guy and the other one's probably going to be a really steady and always in the right place kind of guy. Yeah. So that guy is another union grad, um, Pat Fields. Yes. Um, I'm really excited about him. I, I think he's going to be the better of the two safeties to, if I'm just being completely honest. Um, I like the way he plays football. Like, I mean, that's, that's really all I can say. Like mm-hmm. I, he came into the, the not the national championship, but the, the playoff game last year and was a noticeable improvement over the guy that he replaced. Like he yeah. having a guy that was in the position that he was supposed to be and was making the tackle when he was there. Like that's an improvement over what we saw from our safeties last year. And I I've, a comparison I've heard thrown around and I don't particularly like it all that much, but I think that there's something to it. Um, like just from a physical traits standpoint, there's some Will Johnson here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I, I, think know that, I used that when he got recruited. So that might, yeah, that might have been me. That doesn't sound good because Will Johnson was, you know, I think the last time we saw Will Johnson, he was getting juked out of his mind by Sony Michelle in the middle of the field. But he dropped a big interception or didn't make the big interception in that overtime. Or yeah, maybe in the fourth quarter. There's a big interception and he missed off. Go ahead. Yeah, and so like there is that issue, but like you know, Will Johnson at his best was a guy that was in the right position and was mm-hmm. a very steady player. And I think that Pat Fields just has the potential to do that all the time. Instead of being this inconsistent guy because Will Johnson was not a supernatural safety, he was came to OU as a corner and they switched him. Like Pat Fields is a natural safety. He's played it his entire career. Mm-hmm. And so I think that he has the potential to be that kind of guy, but just very like like annoyingly consistent at it, you know, like just always there. He might not be the guy getting all the interceptions or making huge hits, but he's going to make plays because he's going to be in position to make them. Yeah. And I, I can say just from a union perspective, that's how he was in high school. He's just a very cerebral guy. He, he, uh, like you said, he's always in the right place, but on the hitting front, he will hit. I mean, he will come up and hit you. I mean, I always remember being surprised by that in, uh, at union because he's not, you know, an A plus athlete. He's an athlete. He's a good enough athlete to get by kind of like Will Johnson. Um, to allow himself, I, I, I alluded to it earlier, and just on the instincts perspective, um, being able to kind of see the play unfold and know where he's supposed to be. So it seems like he's really kind of taken that step within the system uh, because it seems like Grinch just really likes him at Turner Yell. And he's, he's, they've basically been his starters since the spring. And part of that is because of the guys behind him, but I think they've also just been you know, playing at a really high level, probably together as much as anything um, since that time as well. So um, I think he's, it'll be, I'm just really curious to see how they play together because I, I think they're just a really intriguing tandem. Right. Yeah. And like, if I could have out of all the guys that we have at this position, if I could have picked two starters, these are the two I would have picked. Um you know, a lot because of the fit, a lot because I really like, you know, I love the way Fields plays. He's really smart. I love the way Turner Yell plays. He's really fast and aggressive. Um, so I, I'm really excited about what those two can do. Um, now, there is some dumpster fire potential behind them. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like Robert Barnes is ever going to be healthy enough to really develop as a player. And what we've seen so far is not overly good. I don't think Robert Barnes is a good football player. And I don't think he ever will be, if I'm just being completely honest. Um, Like, honestly, a guy with Robert Barnes' physical gifts and potential should not be beaten out by Pat Fields. It just shouldn't happen. But he's a guy that seems really far away from Pat Fields from what we've heard in terms of like the competition at this position. It seems like Pat Fields and Delarian Turner Yell won those positions relatively easily because the guys behind them just were not where they need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Robert Barnes is a transfer candidate within the next year. Um, He's in his third year in the program. I don't think he's going to play unless there's an injury this year, you know, maybe special teams, but who cares? Um, So yeah, any Robert Barnes takes, uh, well, I think he, if he's healthy, I think he has the pedigree to maybe be a decent backup depth guy. I don't know. Yeah, 
I, I mean, he's just, been disappointing so far. So yeah, take he did have that. Salt, but uh, I mean, he had that interception against Tech. That was nice. That's like the only good thing I could think of for him. Right. Well, and yeah. like he did die on the field last year. Like, yeah, Josh Jacobs. Mm-hmm. It did happen. It took a soul a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Like, how often do you see guys have a, that type of play happen to them, and then they like flourish later on? You know, it's, those two things are usually like death knells. I so, think we'll right. have to make it back there. Like, yeah, we'll have for to him to redeem attend, himself. Yeah, and like he can't get his soul back until he's back on that field. So we'll have um, to yeah, play he Alabama. What? And he, yeah, he's going to have to lay out their running back in order to redeem himself. Him yeah. and he's going to have to meet Najee Harris in the hole and just or knock or him it over. might still be in Josh Jacobs' back pocket, and he's just never going to get it back. I, yeah, <laughs> I think likely. that's the most likely <laughs> yeah. scenario. Yeah. Like five I feel years com- from now, he's going to make a practice squad and get it back. Yeah. Nope. I, I, I will confidently say that Robert Barnes will never be on a football field with Josh Jacobs again. <laughs> he's going to go pro in something else is what you're saying. He's going pro in something uh, other than sports. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, great thing. Good thing he's getting that high-quality education in Oklahoma. Um, so another guy that's just, just been disappointing since his time at OU, and it's pretty unfortunate because he's a local guy, Justin Broyles. Another guy, I think he's going to be out of the program within the next year. I don't see him being an effective player. And unlike Robert Barnes, I don't think he has the physical tools to really produce much. Like, he's always been, like, an undersized guy. And, you know, he doesn't make up for it by being, like, a great instinctual player that's always in the right position. He doesn't make up for it with athleticism. So it's just, like, what does he do, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's five-star heart. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the guy was super important in terms of building his recruiting class. Like, it was worth him coming to OU because of that. He was a great recruiter. But he's just not a great football player. That's just where we are. Like you said, it kind of sucks because he is a local guy and you kind of get attached to it. You want those guys to succeed, but I just don't really see the path unless, you know, someone gets hurt and he gets his chance and he take, makes the most of it. But I, I just don't really expect that to happen. Cause honestly, I haven't really seen anything about him this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's usually not a good indicator. No, not at all. Um, all right. So the last couple guys we've got, we talked about Jeremiah Cordell at nickel earlier. Like if everything is just shitty at safety. I could see Jeremiah Cordell getting in the two deep at safety behind the two starters we talked about. Um, He has a lot of physical tools to be pretty successful at Mm -hmm. pretty much nickel or safety. Um, A guy that I thought was really interesting in the spring and I'm surprised hasn't kind of flourished in the fall is Jamal Morris. Um, He's a really big guy, like 6'2", 192 pounds. Um, He looks really good in the spring game. He looked great. I think the issue with too. I think the issue with Jamal Morris is going to be speed. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. he's not he's not a burner, so he's going to have to be a guy that's just really smart. So I mean, he's a guy that you know as a freshman might struggle because you know he might not be seeing the game as fast as he needs to with yeah, you know point, for right? where he is from a speed standpoint. Um, so that I think that he has potential, but like he's a guy that. It's it's probably going to take him some time, but I do think that you know he's a guy that could be in the two D by the end of the year as well. 
Um, and then a guy that I don't think will ever factor into anything is Tidy Armin. So, are we ending the podcast on Tidy Armin? No, <laughs> I can't think of a better place. Okay. Oh, no, that's wonderful. So actually, what's going to happen now is I'm going to make. Oh, guys... We're not even going to talk about him. Okay, that's probably, no, 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 that's no. no. We're not going to talk about Tidy Armin. <laughs> I guess we should talk about Jaqueline Crawford, though. Totally forgot about that's him. True. He, uh, he, he, there is the rumor of him moving to defensive back. Yeah, so that's that's pretty interesting. He's an, he's like a really high level athlete. You know, he's very he's small. really good at defensive back at Rockdale. So oh, yeah. I'm kind no, of excited about it. He's we'll just another that guy that I think I think he's going to maybe factor into that cornerback battle we were talking about earlier next mm-hmm. year. Like he's mm-hmm. he's got the physical tools from like a speed and athleticism standpoint. He's a little undersized, but yeah, yeah. Um, he's, I think he's, not so much he's, he's not like five seven, so he's like no. eleven, one hundred and eighty ish pounds. So I th- I mean he's not that much smaller than any of the other guys. So yeah, so he's a guy that. He might factor in, you know, he's yeah. got, he's the caliber athlete. I think the most interesting thing with him is just the fact that I'm kind of surprised it didn't work out for him at receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought, you know, he would, I thought he didn't make an impact at receiver doing something, you know, but it just seems like that hasn't come together for him. And like, it's not the most surprising thing in the world because he yeah. does have freshman five stars that came I in. Think so at 95% of other programs, he would still be at receiver, but yeah, I think he saw the writing on the wall. And mm-hmm. he wants to get on the field. So, yeah, which, I'm, I'm just glad he's for him. switching positions instead of trying to transfer, transfer to it. like Southern Miss or something. So, yeah, agreed. Um, okay, so since we're all four on the podcast, mm-hmm. I want playoff predictions. Oh, no. I'm flying by the this. seat of our this pants. supposed to be next week. Nope. Well, I, I don't know if we're all four going to be on the podcast again. That's a good point. So I want to get it while we're all four here. Okay. Can we all just like have the obligatory Alabama-Clemson, or is anyone going to hot take and just not have Alabama or Clemson? Nah. Yeah, I know I'm going to have Alabama and Clemson. Yeah, I mean, I, I am. So <laughs> I think Which, we can all just assume that we're going to But let's hypothesize Alabama. of the two – which is less likely to make it? Alabama? Oh, Alabama for Alabama, sure. Alabama, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Clemson they plays can, in no one. The, yeah, the schedule right. is just not fair. Though they, if Clemson drops a game for a stupid reason, which isn't impossible, I mean, they lost a pit the best, that one yeah. time. The best team they'll play is A&M. And A&M is probably going like, well, part of this is A&M has like a ludicrous schedule this year. But they're probably like an eight-win team. So Right, right. Uh, well, they might about to lose they had to go them. back to the car- they had to go back to the carrier dome so maybe that's a little funky but i mean i don't no. know i just don't uh, see it no there's so much more talented than everybody twice, is i'm sure yeah yeah uh, and that's not happening um yeah cuz now they have the recognition and the respect so they'll get mm-hmm. you know they'll get the benefit right. of the doubt yep all right who wants to go first i'll go first all right I will say that my third team is Ohio State. Okay. Mm. You're going pure blue chip ratio here, I see. Yes. When in doubt, go with the talent. Nate, they named Justin Justin Fields starting quarterback. I do believe in Justin Fields. Same. Any, I, am I, am I fourth team? Or are we going uh, yeah, let's yeah, okay. let's go ahead and do finish it out. 
Okay. Fourth. Fourth, 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 fourth. I don't know. I think I will go hot take this time, and I'm going to put Georgia as my fourth team. Oh! Okay. Oh, man. I am leading mm-hmm. Oklahoma out. Man, going. You fall in the talent. We got a blue chip ratio guy here. Is that really okay. a surprise, though? See, here's, no. yeah, here's the thing. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think that was such a hot take because I think I'm going to go, and this is also more of a hot take just for content, but I think I'm going to go Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Bama. Oh, so the order is different. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. And that's um, also good for, you know, you, you don't get Clemson and Bama in the championship. You get Justin Fields against Georgia. That would be amazing if that happened. That would be cool. <laughs> um, I am actually going to go, and this is um, this is boring because it's just a scratch, uh, but I'm going to go Clemson, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma. Um, I believe I like in Justin it. Fields. I don't know if I believe in Ryan Day. But at the same time, I don't think like the I don't think the Big Ten is very special this year. So who knows what Ohio State's going to be able to do? Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll maybe next week I'll have some hotter takes. I'll do some more looking into it. Bill Conley was really getting hot and bothered about Penn State today on Twitter. He's a big fan of their defense, and so he thinks that they can put anything together yeah. on offense. So I'll have For to that, look yeah. into them a little bit more. For them, it's all about how good Sean Clifford's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Um, yeah, the, you're wow. not making the playoff with a guy named Sean Clifford at quarterback. Sorry, yeah. it's yeah. not happening. Yeah. Can we talk about the fact that the Pac-12 doesn't have a team in the top ten? Yeah, you don't I have mean, wa- you don't have Washington in the top ten. That's Washington is thirteenth in the AP top twenty-five. Wow. They're below. Think... They're actually behind Oregon. That yeah, makes sense. I I don't. I'm not a believer in Oregon. Yeah, same. I think the Pac-12 is so bad. If Jacob Eason like resembles a five-star, they could maybe potentially run the table and be this year's team that gets trounced in the beginning of the playoff. Yeah, see, the thing about Oregon to me is they have a pretty good offensive line. They have a quarterback who, while I think is overrated, I think is still pretty decent. I just don't think they're that good at the skill positions. And so I don't know how they would be able to score that well against elite teams. So even if they made it, I think they get trounced. Okay. All right. Um, Are you about to say Oregon? Please say you're about to say Oregon. <laughs> oh, <hell laughs> about to say Oregon. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a Justin Herbert believer. Sorry. Yeah. I think he's, I can't, good, people not, thought he was going to be the first quarterback off the board. Mm-hmm. You're still, Honestly, you're still if, saying that, man. If, yeah, if Kyler hadn't been in the draft and he had been in the draft, I wouldn't have been surprised. Well, no, because the Giants would have still taken Daniel Jones. <laughs> yeah. All right, Maybe they so... thought Daniel Jones was Justin Herbert. <laughs> Maybe that's what the deal was. wonder how Baker, Baker would have reacted to uh, Justin Herbert. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the Baker. We can't get into the Baker thing, though. Yeah, it's too, it's too, um, too much. All right, Alex, give it. Okay, so obviously Clemson, Alabama. I'm going to say that Georgia makes it as well. So, yeah, we're great. I guess we all, my hot take agree. wasn't that much of a hot take. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the year for, for two SEC teams to make it. They got left out last year. I think they'll mm-hmm. want to kind of fix it. 
And then I think Michigan's going to make it and get their ass kicked. <laughs> See, the, yeah, my, my problem like with Michigan is I don't know who their running back's going to be. I think they're going to have to lean on a true freshman, and that makes that's, me concerned for someone that, that like that's the biggest part of their offense. Right. I think they're going to throw it around more this year. I think oh, that's going to be a Josh Gaddis guy. I, I like Josh Gaddis. And honestly, here here's my thing. I think that I'm going to assume the role as Jim Harbaugh defender. Oh, <laughs> because, because you watched I, that was gonna, I was going to go ahead yeah. and take up my brave position as Jim Harbaugh hater. So Okay, okay so Jim Harbaugh's Natural. good. Like, they were bad before he got there, and now they're, like, consistently a top-10 team, and people are like, well, if he doesn't beat Ohio State this year, you yeah, need to yeah. fire him. I'm like, it's fucking stupid. I the guy's that, really no, good. No, they, I think they probably shouldn't fire him, him, but, like, I'll, I don't know. I, I think it's something fine just, to call him a, a, uh, a good coach. I yeah. think the problem was is he's a little um, – or at least until this year, he was very traditional and didn't really seem interested in going outside of that. But bringing in Josh Gaddis, you know, it sounds like they're going to try and, air quotes, modernize their offense. So we'll see what happens. The thing with Josh Gaddis, though, is he's never called plays before. So you're still kind of, you know, rolling the dice a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think... I, I'm concerned, actually, of like when I when I sort of like look over my position on the Big Ten, I'm worried that there's that I've sort of got myself trapped in a bit of circular logic, which is essentially every team in the Big Ten sucks. And how do I know that they suck? Because they're in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, like I Ohio don't believe State. in Ohio State or Michigan, but at the same time, like my thought, like I guess my problem, the problem with that is that if I don't believe in Ohio State, then who do I think is going to beat Michigan? And vice versa. Mm. Penn State. Be like, we'll yeah. see. Oh, Iowa. Lions. Talk, to your, talk to your kids about undefeated Iowa. Yeah. Nate Stanley Iowa. is coming Top 20 it. Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Michigan, if they can beat if they can beat Penn State on the road, which obviously a tall task. All their other tough games are at home. I like how their schedule sets up. I still kind of believe in Shea Patterson. And don't they don't they play Notre Dame also this? Yeah, they, they play, play Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. They yeah. play Notre Dame. Well, that's home. good. At least one of them will get knocked out, so we don't have to hear. Yeah, about thank them God. Yeah. <laughs> I, dude, I, I hate Notre Dame. They <laughs> they sucked last year. Them making the playoff, God, like they deserve to I be forgot there. That happened. Oh my yeah. God, I forgot that happened. They deserve to be there because they won all their games. But God damn it, man, like. Right. They were trying to make more fun good. of them about getting their asses kicked, but oh, you also got their asses. No, kicked. you hey, can. <laughs> you can. We we put up a fight at some point after, in that game. Like right. they got their fucking <laughs> after his twenty-eight to nothing. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> hey, chill out, man. For like three quarters of that game, we were we were with them. Like, come on. Okay. Okay. Give us some credit. Okay. Damn it. Notre right. Dame was <laughs> hopeless. Notre Dame was hopeless to score after I think they scored three points and they were they just, they kicked a field goal in the first quarter and they were yeah. done for the day on that. They side could have of the played ball. a so, twelve quarter game that was and they would dread- have scored three yeah. points. That game was dreadfully boring. Yes. It was miserable. And it was all <laughs> Notre Dame's fault. And that's all we're gonna say about that. Yeah. 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 Ending uh, the podcast on Notre on Notre Dame hate talk is much better than very Harmon. Rudy was offside, and yeah, fuck God, God damn it! 
Yeah. No, 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 no. Let's, let's not slander Sean Astin on this podcast. Okay, <laughs> fine. fine. Oh, you mean Bob from Stranger Things? Oh, uh, <laughs> Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. We'll be back next week with our week one preview. Uh, in the meantime, check out the week zero slate. Uh, there's uh, Florida versus Miami is happening. That's fun. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter at Alex V. Purdy, at RW Maxi, at Not That Sam Davis. Um, here's your weekly hint as to how to find Nathan. His name is Nathan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does narrow the, it down if you've enjoyed the podcast uh, you can, sub, you can uh, leave a review or share it with a friend and like I said we'll see you next week